You're listening to a message at Riverland Hills Baptist Church by Dr. Ryan Pack. If you're in the Columbia area, come worship with us this Sunday at 9, 1015, and 1130. Check us out on Facebook or visit riverlandhills.org to find out more about our ministries. Before we get into the message today, I want to let you know that next Sunday, October 29th, uh, we are going to have a Vision Launch Sunday where we are introducing to you and launching a vision for Rivland Hills so that we're all on the same page and we all know what we're about and what we're supposed to be about here at Rivland Hills. There's something uh, powerful in the life of a church when we can all get in alignment, when we as uh, members at Rivland Hills and all of our ministries at Rivland Hills, that we can be in alignment with what God's calling us to do. So next week's gonna be a great Sunday as we start laying that out for you for about next Sunday and the next couple of weeks after that, we're gonna lay out for you the the vision of our church and what God has called us to do. I also wanna let you know that if you have missed out on Prayer 101 on Wednesday nights, you are not too late to jump on board. Uh, We're covering different topics each Wednesday night on prayer. And if you've missed them up to this point, you could jump in this Wednesday and jump right in to enhance enhance and to grow your own personal prayer life. Well, today we are going to wind down our study called The Pursuit, Discovering Real Satisfaction. For about the past eight weeks, we've been in a study in the book of Ecclesiastes. And today, we're going to wind this study down. Now, what we've done the past eight weeks is we followed through with Solomon And we have read what he has had to say um, about the world's pleasures. Solomon was trying anything and everything to be satisfied. And so he wrote to us about trying uh, all the limits of the world's pleasures. He tried money, houses, the best food, sexual pleasures, alcohol, knowledge, power, position. He tried everything that he thought would bring meaning to life to conclude that it was all meaningless. Now, let me remind you, as we started in week one, the word meaningless is the Hebrew word that means what is left when a soap bubble pops. So Solomon says, all the money that I had, it's what's left after a soap bubble pops. All the houses that I had and position that I had and knowledge that I had, all the things that I experimented with, he says it was meaningless compared to knowing God and following God first and foremost. The title of the sermon today is Reaching the Finish Line. Each one of us in this room have something where we are approaching a finish line or we long for that finish line. It may be a health challenge you're facing right now and you long to overcome that and to see a finish line with that. Some of you are dealing with relationship struggles right now and you're looking for that finish line where things can be repaired and things can be made complete. Some of you are in a job search right now and you long for and search for that finish line in the job search. And and so today I wanna help us through the words of Solomon, be able to approach the finish line well. How can I get there? What's it going to take for me to get there in these different areas that I'm going through in life? Some of you, you're weary from the race. Some of you are ready to throw in the towel. Some of you are at the end of the rope. 
And you just need some encouragement today to remind you, you can make it to the finish line because you've been so discouraged and so frustrated. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We find ourselves in the final chapter of of the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're going to look at chapter 12, verses 9 through 14. And Solomon ties a bow on this package. He uh, gives us very specifically the, the, the end of this book that he wrote. And he tells us what's most important. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, starting in verse 9. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly planted are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd." My son, be aware, uh, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Then verse 13, he sums this up. The end of the matter, all has been heard. And listen to his conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So we all want to finish well, but how do we do it? Well, those finishing well, first of all, make corrections. Those finishing well, first of all, make corrections. Now, there's an interesting word in here in verse 11, and you might wonder what it's about. The words of the wise are like goads. You might be thinking, now, wait a minute. That's a word I haven't used in my vocabulary this week. So what in the world is that? And what are you talking about? But in this culture that that Solomon wrote to, they would have immediately understood what that word goads meant. A goad was an instrument used by those in livestock and it was like a staff or a, or a stick. And on the end of that stick, it had some nails on it actually that stuck out and it was used to guide or direct an animal. Now, you wouldn't hit the animal with it. That wasn't the, the purpose of it at all. You would basically barely tap an animal with it just to get his attention to get him to turn to go the right direction. It might be similar in our modern day terms to spurs on a boot. You're not going to beat that animal with the spurs on your boot, but you might tap that animal with the spurs on your boot to get that animal to move forward and to, and to get going. And so the, the word picture, he uses two word pictures here, but the first word picture he uses, he says, look, the words of the wise... And remember last week, we talked about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. We we talked about knowledge is hearing. We can gather knowledge by hearing the word of God, but wisdom's when we do it. And we said that's that's the biggest bridge we have to cross in our Christian journey is the bridge between hearing it, knowing it, and doing. And so here he says that the words of the wise are like these, 
uh, goads that direct us. They give us direction. And maybe right now in your life, God's trying to nudge you. And maybe right now it doesn't feel that good to be nudged. But you realize that God's trying to direct you and to get you on the right path. He's trying to, to get your attention. He's trying to prick you a little bit to get your attention. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but I'm a pretty fair-skinned guy. If I hadn't caught your attention yet, I'm pretty light-complected. And as a light-complected guy, I have spent my fair share of time at the dermatologist. I'll just tell you that. And uh, at the dermatologist, it seems like every time I go in there, they want to take something else off of me. Has anybody else felt like that in your, your dermatologist that you go and uh, before you know it, they're going to say, oh, I see something suspicious. I need to take that off of you. Well, I've had my fair share of that. But can I tell you one thing I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for that initial prick of anesthesia. You know what I mean? That they warn you, this is going to feel like a bee sting. This is going to prick for just a minute. You're going to feel it for just a minute. But I'm so thankful for that prick because that prick numbs me before they go to cutting, right? <laughs> so I'm thankful for the prick. I'm thankful for that little stick. And the scripture says here that the words of the wise, the word of God speaking to us is like that goad that just pricks us. It just directs us to get us going the right direction. It's, in other words, it's short-term pain brings long-term victory. Why do we want to stand on the Word of God? Why do we want to trust the Word of God? Why do we want in everything that we do to follow what God's Word says? Because it's the words of God that direct our lives. We're coming right back to Ecclesiastes 12. But if you can, turn over with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Because I want to talk for just a minute on how the Word of God, the words of wisdom in the Word of God direct us. And I want you to hear exactly what God's Word does as it guides us, convicts us, corrects us, and directs us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for four things. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof. Some of your translations say rebuke. For correction and for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. Well, the first thing the Scripture is useful for is for teaching. And what does the Scripture teach us? The Scripture teaches us what is right. In other words, the direction we should go, how we should live our lives. So I'm so thankful for the Word of God teaching us what is right. Why do we want to study it for ourselves? Why do we want to be in the Word of God daily? Because it teaches us what is right. But there's a second thing the Word of God does. It rebukes us. What is rebuking or reproof? Well, rebuking tells us what's not right. It tells us what is right. It rebukes us in what's not right. Did you know that there's something on the interstate that the Department of Transportation uses to rebuke you and me? 
It's those rumble strips right before the emergency lane. You know, if you fall asleep or get a little drowsy and you, you veer off a little bit to the right, guess what happens? You hit those rumble strips that make that vibrating noise in your car, vibrating noise on your tires. Let me tell you what the DOT just did. It rebuked you, okay? Because the DOT saying, if you don't get right and get right pretty quickly, you're going off that cliff. If you don't get right pretty quickly, you're in the woods. <laughs> so the DOT is rebuking us and saying, you need to get right. <laughs> the word of God rebukes us when we get off course, when we get off the road, so to speak. The word of God is useful not only to teach us what's right, but it's also useful to rebuke us when we're getting off track. Third use of the word of God is to correct us in how to get right. The word correct in the Greek means causing one to stand upright again. When we've been looking the wrong direction or walking the wrong direction, the, the word of God corrects us. In other words, it helps us to stand upright again that you were going on this path, which was the wrong path, but the word of God rebuked us to remind us we were getting off path, but then it corrects us to show us this is the right path. The word of God also, fourthly, it trains us in how to stay right teaches us what is right, it rebukes us in what's not right, it corrects us in how to get right, and it trains us in how to stay right. Now I want to tell you something, knowing the Word of God does all this, I want to be in the Word of God. And I want to tell you what I'm doing this morning, I hope I am simply an appetizer. That's all I want to be. If this is your main course if this is all the word of God you're getting this week, let me just shoot straight with you. You will starve if this is all you get this week. If all you got physically with food was a Sunday morning brunch and didn't eat anything else the rest of the week, you would starve. You'd be malnourished. And I'm here to tell you when it comes to the word of God, if this is all you're getting is me this morning and the word of God in this venue this morning and you're not getting it throughout the week studying it for yourself, you're going to be hungry. So that's why we want you to be in the Word of God and to understand the Word of God. Now you can head back to Ecclesiastes. Now I hope you saved your place there in Ecclesiastes. But the first thing we need to realize for those who finish well will make corrections and God's Word will correct us. So those finishing well make corrections. Secondly, those finishing well have convictions. Now I hope you notice the two word pictures that Solomon paints in verse 11. The words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings and they are given by one shepherd. So not only does he say if you're going to live your life in great wisdom that you need to be corrected at times, but also if you're going to live your life wisely, in other words, that's doing it. If you're going to live well and live wisely, then we must have convictions. Well, what do nails do? It says that the words of the wise are like these nails. Well, nails stabilize. You have nails at your house right now that might be holding up your drywall or holding up a picture. Have you ever had boards on your deck that 
kind of bow or bend. And what do you do with those boards? You go put another nail in it. Why? Because you want to stabilize it. You want it to stay in place. So the scripture, wisdom are these nails that stabilize us. But nails also give us something to hang our life on. You might hang a hook up by a nail. And so you can hang something on it. And, and the word of God gives us something to hang our life on. The direction that we need to hang our life on. And I want to tell you, every one of us in this room has to come to a point in our life where we make a decision about what we're going to do with the Word of God. Are we going to stand on the Word of God or are we going to ignore the Word of God? Are we going to choose to follow what it says or are we going to rebel against what it says? Some of you may have read Billy Graham's autobiography, Just As I Am, but he was very honest about a moment early in his ministry where we, he had to nail down whether or not he was going to believe the Word of God or not believe the Word of God. And Billy Graham writes that he had to nail down whether he was going to believe all of the Word of God or if he was going to pick and choose what he was going to believe. And this is what Billy Graham writes in his autobiography. I got up and took a walk. This was a moment early in his ministry. The moon was out. The shadows were long in the San Bernardino Mountains surrounding the retreat center. Dropping to my knees there in the woods, I opened the Bible at random on a tree stump in front of me. I could not read it in the shadowy moonlight, so I had no idea what text lay open before me. Back at Florida Bible Institute, that kind of woodsy setting had given me a natural pulpit for proclamation. Now it was an altar where I could only stutter into prayer. The exact wording of my prayers beyond recall, but it must have echoed my thoughts. Oh God, there are many things in this book I do not understand. There are many problems with it for which I have no solution. There are many seeming contradictions. There are some areas in it that don't seem to correlate with modern science. I can't answer some of the philosophical and psychological questions that others are raising. I was trying to be on the level with God but something remained unspoken. At last, the Holy Spirit freed me to say it. Father, I am going to accept this as thy word by faith. I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts. And I believe this to be your inspired word. Billy Graham continues, When I got up from my knees at Forest Home that August night, my eyes stung with tears. I sensed the presence and power of God as I had not sensed it in months. Not all my questions were answered, but a major bridge had been crossed. In my heart and mind, I knew a spiritual battle in my soul had been fought and won. Friends, there's going to come a time in your life that you're going to have to make a decision whether you're going to stand on the word of God or not. And every one of us have to make a decision whether we're going to trust it. And by the way, this is not designed to be a buffet where I pick what I want and what I like out of it. It's designed to be a full course meal. And a full course meal, I don't know if you've ever gone to one of those fancy restaurants where you get a full course meal and oftentimes in the full course meal, you get the chef's menu. 
And the chef already has pre-planned, this is the soup, this is the appetizer, this is the main course, and this is what the chef's prepared for you. Let me tell you what the Word of God is. The Word of God is what the author, creator, almighty God has prepared for us. It's not a buffet where we pick and choose. Oh, I like that one, but I don't like that one. And one of the reasons we are where we are in our culture today is because we have tried to pick and choose what we like and don't like in Scripture. And friends, if we're going to see spiritual awakening, let me tell you what we have to get back to. That we believe the full word of God. And that we will stand on it, that we believe it, that we nail it down as a conviction of ours that we're going to follow everything that the Word of God says. Billy Graham had to make that decision. Have you made that decision? Have you said, yes, I believe the Word of God by faith. I trust it. I believe it. And I'm going to live by it. That's why Solomon's saying, look, If we're going to move forward in life, if we're going to approach the finish line, if we're going to finish well, then the only way we can finish well is to make sure that we make corrections based on what the Word of God says, that we make sure that we have convictions based on what the Word of God says. And thirdly, Solomon wrote, we must keep commandments. Verse 13 cannot be any more clear. Solomon says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. He has debated with himself. He has argued with himself. He is very honestly through this diary or journal that we have of Solomon's life. He's told us everything he dabbled in. He's told us where he tried to find his satisfaction. He's told us where he tried to find his hope. He said he dabbled in every well he could dabble in with the hopes of finding some type of satisfaction in life. And then here is his conclusion. At the end of the matter, when all has been heard conclusion fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man now people out there try to tell you the Bible's too complicated to understand how in the world could you understand all that ancient literature well this is pretty straightforward At the end of the day, Solomon says, at the end of all that he experimented with, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. So how do we do that? Well, we keep his commandments out of a proper fear of God. I want to give you an acrostic of the word fear. You may want to jot this down. This is not from me. This is from Ray Stedman and He took these letters, F-E-A-R, and I want you to hear these. First of all, letter F is faith in God. If we're going to fear God, if we're going to keep His commandments, the first thing we must do is we must have faith in God. I wonder today, do you know Him? Have you placed your faith in God? I didn't ask, did you come to church? I didn't ask if you were a good person. I didn't ask if you had a lot of knowledge of God, I asked you, do you know him? Have you personally received him as your Lord and Savior? Have you admitted to him that you're a sinner? Have you asked him 
in faith to come into your life? Have you received the grace that he offers to every one of us? If we're going to fear God, we have to have faith in God. Secondly, letter E, we experience his grace. We stand in absolute awe of the grace that God provides for us. That in while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to clean up to come to God. Some people say, well, I'm not good enough to come to God. Friends, none of us are good enough. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. There's not one righteous, no, not one. No one can clean up good enough to come to God, and we don't have to. That's what grace is about. God cleanses us. God forgives us. But it's not about our works. It's not about us working our way to God. It's about God coming to us and us receiving the grace that he offers through his son, Jesus Christ. So fear is faith in God, letter F. Uh, having a proper fear of God is experiencing his grace. Letter A, fearing God is to stand in all of his majesty. To stand in absolute awe of his majesty. I pulled up this morning about 7 o'clock, a little after 7 o'clock this morning into the parking lot here at Rivlin Hills. And uh, right out this direction was the sunrise. And I want to tell you something, it was beautiful. And I stood out here for just a moment in front of this church and I just thanked God for who he is. I just stood in awe for, we have these glimpses through sunrises and sunsets and the beauty of his creation. And we look out into the heavens, we stand in absolute awe of how great and majestic and mighty that God is. Do we really stand in awe of who he is? If we're going to fear him, we stand in awe of him. And it's not about me, it's about him. Remember, the proper way to live is wow is God, woe is me. So we want to stand in absolute awe of who God is. If we're going to fear God, letter R, we must resolve to obey. Resolve to obey. We hear but do we act? Knowledge is the hearing. Knowledge is the collecting of information. But being wise is doing it. Being wise is the transformation. It's, it's getting from just hearing about it to doing it, to resolving to obey. Oswald Chambers wrote, The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. And why does obeying God matter? Why did Solomon say at the conclusion of everything that he had wrestled with that fearing God and keeping his commandments is at the core of getting us to the finish line? Why does he say it? Well, verse 14 spells out how important this is to fear God and keep his commandments. Verse 14, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Why do I wanna live my life fearing God? Why should we live our life keeping his commandments? Why? Because every one of us are going to be accountable for our lives. We're all accountable. Everyone will be called, every deed will be called into judgment with every secret one as well, it says. Because some of us are thinking, oh, 
I've got this figured out. I'll act right on Sundays. I'll act like a Christian when I need to act like a Christian. Then I'll live my life however else I want to live my life in my own private life. No one will ever know and it won't matter. Well, that's contrary to what the Word of God says. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. I wonder if it's time for a course correction in your life as you're making your way towards whatever finish line it is right now. It may be just a season in life. But whatever it is, as you move towards the finish line of honoring God and obeying God, I wonder if you need to make a course correction. Maybe God is trying to correct you. Maybe God is trying to rebuke you. And friends, remember, that's a good thing. The short-term pain's a good thing for the long-term outcome of honoring God. So I wonder what it is in your life right now that God's trying to correct, convict, rebuke, change, get our attention. Because we want to live as people that don't just have the knowledge, but we want to live as people that are doing it in action. Father, we want to live out everything you've instructed us to live out. At the end of the service, there's going to be an opportunity for you to respond to whatever it is God said to you. It may be that you need to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you've put it off. What are you waiting for? Today's the day of salvation. At the end of this service, there's an opportunity here at Worship West for you to make your way to the hospitality room. And there are folks there in hospitality room that would love to talk with you about knowing Christ. If you're at Worship East, there's an area called Connections. You can make your way right out of Worship East and turn left. And right there, you'll see a huge sign that says Connections. And there's folks there that want to talk with you about those next steps Maybe it's the next step of joining Rivlin Hills and you have questions about that. Maybe it's questions about baptism that you just saw. That you want to know what it would mean to follow through in believer's baptism. Maybe you just need prayer today. And I want to encourage you, you're not alone. There's people that want to pray with you and encourage you and answer some questions for you. I want to let you know, even though after this closing song, the service will end, it may be that the ministry you need is just beginning. And we have folks that want to help you and want to minister to you. Let's pray together. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we exalt you and we praise you, our King of kings and Lord of lords. We thank you that you're in absolute control. Father, we thank you that you love us so much. You don't want us to be off track. You want us to be on the right path. And Lord, may we be convicted by the words that we've heard that at the end of the matter, at the end of reviewing life, all that matters is that we feared God and kept commandments. So Lord, may we be found faithful as a people that will fear you and keep your commandments. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We exalt you. And we pray that we will respond accordingly. It's in your name we pray. Amen.